Hey, we have a, a story from pain to purpose today. It's going to be a compelling story. It's going to pull on your heartstrings. It's going to give you inspiration because we all go through challenges in life. We all have stuff. We all have a story. Some are different, but it's really the meaning that we assign, right, to how much we go through. Yet, what we learn, and sometimes not until we get older, how everything that happened to us or with us really happened for us that leads us to our soul, that's S-O-U-L, purpose. And I'm Dr. Fred DiDomenico. I'm Dr. Douglas DeSiena. And this is Resurrecting Our Freedom podcast. And we are excited to have Tracy Cowan with us. Thank you for joining us, Tracy. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And just want to thank you in advance for sharing your story. It's uh, truly an inspiration. And uh, the purpose of this is really to enlighten people that in a time where the world can be perceived as being a bit dark, that there's always light. Mm -hmm. There's always light coming through the clouds. So, yeah. Well, I'm excited to be here and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story. Uh, you know, I always like to explain to people, you know, it's not about being a victim and we move through different times and spaces in our lives. And, uh, you know, at that time, it was a really hard experience for me to deal with um, being a survivor of domestic violence. You know, I, I never ever thought that I would be in this position and I never thought my life would be like this now. And, you know, being a woman, a girl from Canada, I moved out to California, came here seven years ago. I came here for love. And uh, that didn't work out for me. And, uh, you know, so what happened is I married the man of my dreams, as I thought. And um, it became a very, very abusive relationship very quickly. Um, when I got here, it was no more honeymoon. And, uh, you know, the man that I knew was no longer the man that I knew. And um, I really didn't know how to deal with it because... For me, I had given up my friends, my family, my home, my life. I grew up, I was born and raised in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, I had a great life. I really did. You know, that one element that was missing was, you know, having that partner in crime and having, you know, my husband. And uh, I'd never been married before. It was my first time. And, you know, I waited and uh, I thought I had waited for the right man. And when I got here, it was, you know, I, I thought that the things that he was doing was for love. And, you know, he put me up on a pedestal and he just, you know, I thought he just was, you know, so devoted to me. And later did I realize that that was actually control, possessiveness, and just overpowering me. And it chipped away at me, you know, every single day. And how he did it was through, you know, um, micromanaging my every move. It was, you're not allowed to do this. You're, you know, you don't turn things in the fridge the right way. You, you're not allowed to eat this. You have to have your food portioned and I have to make it for you. You're only allowed to go here with my supervision. You can't go to the gym without me. If you're in the gym and you don't answer my 1500 phone calls, then you're doing something wrong. And it was just everywhere I turned. If I missed a call, you know, I would be reprimanded for it. And it was just, it was like, constantly like if you're when you're a child and if you're you know a problem child or if you're a bad kid and you do a lot of the things wrong it was like that it was constant it was just like 
and nothing I did was right. And so how did you feel going through that? So now all of a sudden you're in this marriage and then like, Hey, you don't, the jars are turned the wrong way and you don't answer my calls. Like, what did that feel like for you? At first it was like, okay, well it was comforting because I was in another country and I didn't know anybody. And so I was, you know, um, it was comforting at first because when it didn't get too much, but it was like, okay, well, you know, he's looking out for me, just making sure I'm safe. And that's really how my mind processed it because I didn't think that it was going to that level and that's those stages. And then when I realized it was like, this doesn't feel right. And I mean, I left everything. I, I gave away everything I owned to Goodwill and, you know, and I came here, shipped six boxes over. So I didn't have anything. So I put my, as they say, all your eggs in the basket and his basket was my basket. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have any like life resources. I had nobody to turn to and I wasn't going to tell anybody because I didn't want to tell my family. And so it just started getting worse and worse. And, and I slipped into this depression and, and I started becoming like this person that I wasn't. I've got a bubbly personality, you know, I'm like, I like to talk and I like to share and I'm, I'm a hugger and I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things. And now it's this quiet woman that's just reserved and restricted. And, and I don't even want to say anything because everything I say is wrong. Um, you know, and he never shared with his family that we had got married. They found out on Facebook. So you can imagine what that's like a, you know, so to speak, white girl coming from Canada, marrying a Colombian man and coming, coming into this family where nobody would speak English around me. They never accepted me. And it was just like, I just, everywhere I turned, I just felt horrible. And it just, it got worse and worse. And I tried to be, you know, the good wife. Was it worse and worse just with control? Did it turn into physical abuse? Yeah. So, you know, I want to share with people, domestic violence is not just physical abuse. And a lot of people think that, and it really just, like I said, and I wanted to, you know, really emphasize that these little things were, this is control. So there's mental, there's emotional, there's spiritual, in my case, absolutely, uh, financial, and there's also sexual. And a lot of people don't realize those ones. And, and I will go into detail more on those ones because those are ones that people don't understand. So the financial, yeah, he, I never had a bank card. I had no opportunity for any money. If I made any money, uh, I would have to hand it over. So I had no access to a bank card. I had no access to money. I wasn't allowed to spend money unless I asked. That was the financial aspect of it. Um, and then the spiritual, you know, you're not a godly woman, you know, and it, this rolls into the sexual part of it. And this is a bit harsh for people to hear, but um, the thing was, is that he would, you know, take me to church and scream and yell at me and tell me I was this and swearing and berating me on the way to church. And then he would walk up to the door and he'd be like grabbing my hand. He's like, smart enough. Like, you know, you know what to do. Chin up, you know, put on the show. And now it's showtime. We'd walk into church and, you know, and if I had my head down in any way or seemed upset, he would literally like kick my leg or hit my hand and his hand against my leg. He would like pinch me and he was like, you're not a godly woman. And we'd get out of church and then 
you know, it was the physical assaults. It was like grabbing, pinning down, dominating um, the knee on the chest, pushing up against the wall, pushing in the face, like grabbing my lip, my mouth and like just grabbing by the back of the hair or the back of the neck and being aggressive. And, um, and that turned into the part where, of course, if someone treats you like this, you're, are you going to be attracted to them emotionally, sexually? Anyway, I don't, I don't care if it's your husband, if it's whoever. Um, so um, my, my ex-husband would rape me and um, he would force me down and force me to have sex with him. He would smash his hand in my face and cover my mouth and poke me in the eyes and just throw on my neck and strangle me and knee on the chest again, one hand on me. And um, he would say that God would say um, that wives submit to their husbands. And uh, it still chokes me up because, you know, I relive it. And um, it's really caused me a lot of problems being, you know, different relationships. Obviously now um, I'm working through it still through a lot of counseling and I'm working with a nonprofit who's helped me so much. Safe Passage Heals, Janet and Trish have just like really helped me with the, you know, stress, the post-traumatic stress of it. But, you know, just forcing someone against their will is rape. It doesn't matter if it's in a relationship or if it's a one night, you know, affair or at a party and in a marriage. And so it just, I mean, it was as bad as it could possibly be. And we talk about being alone in relationships. This was the type of loneliness, but I was so monitored. Like I wasn't able to take phone calls or text message. Everything would have to be monitored. He sent my messages to his phone. He had spyware on my phone. I had a GPS tracker in the back of the uh, spare tire. Um, the police found it after he insulted me on the final night when I left him. And um, I mean, he slashed my tires. He stalked me after I left him. Um, and being Canadian, he was threatening to deport me. So tell us about that moment when you put the line in the sand and you said, okay, I'm done. The night that I left? Yeah. So the night that I left, um, we, were, we were, yeah, so I had been talking, I had met a woman named Tanya Brown, um, Nicole Simpson, Brown's sister. I'm sure you all know the OJ Simpson story. I had been to, at a seminar, um, the Big Money Speaker Boot Camp with James Melanchak and Tanya Brown was there and she had her book. And uh, I basically was like, I, re I guess I was speaking to her through my eyes and my husband, my ex-husband was with me and she was signing books and I wanted to stand in the lineup and I wanted to go get her book signed and get one of her books. And um, he wouldn't allow me to do that. And so I looked up at her and tears welled in my eyes and, and she said, come here, come to the front of the line and I'm getting to the end result. What happened is I ended up making friends with her and she said, it's gonna be okay. I, I know what you're going through. And I didn't say one word. And when my ex-husband tried to walk up to the line, she said, no, you wait there. And she put her foot down. So he didn't like her very much. Um, I wasn't allowed to have any friends, so I had no one around me, but I kept in contact with Tanya. So the night that I left, um, I basically tried to run out of the door and he stopped me and um, he pushed me from behind and I fell down. 
and I got back up and uh, he pushed me again and he went to grab me by the neck and I pushed him as hard as I could. I mean, I'm not like the super small woman, so, you know, but a 245 pound man that's 6'4", you know, I didn't, there was nothing, <laughs> I, it didn't work. So that just made him mad. And he came flying at me and grabbed me by the neck and picked me up and threw me into a steel gate um, in the underground. And I fractured my arm and I, I basically bruised like everything, my hands and I was knocked unconscious. And um, anyway, the, um, a guy had seen this and um, I called Tanya Brown and she told me basically what to do step-by-step step to get away. And I did get away. And uh, that was the last time that I've spoken to my ex. I've seen him once after that in the last four years. So a guy saw that, did he call, did he call the police? So a guy saw that, he called the police because, yeah, and I went into my um, place and the, and the police came and um, they searched the apartment and um, you know, they spoke to me. I was out of it because I had been unconscious. I'm not sure for how long. And I was basically just worried about where my ex was, but he had taken off. And I was just worried about him coming in and I didn't know what he was going to do because he was very angry. And, you know, um, I just didn't know. And so he left. And what I did is I took the spare car and that's where the journey began of me being homeless and living out of a car for a while. Um, the 24-hour fitness and uh, the parking lot up in uh, Woodland Hills became my new home for a while until I figured some things out. <laughs> uh, did you, any, any part of what he was telling you, did you believe it? Did you start to believe that maybe you're not a godly wife? Did you maybe believe some of it was your fault? Did you, did you fall into any of that belief mechanisms that he was trying to, in essence, train you into? Absolutely, 100%. I didn't even know who I was after. I literally, it just wiped me out, not only my personality, but to at a soul level, because I thought, started to think that I was stupid. I started to think that I was a terrible wife. I started to think I was a terrible stepmother. I, everything that he said, because he pounded it into my head day in, day out. And so yeah, you definitely believe it. And, you know, at that point it was like, well, maybe that's why, you know, I never got married before. Maybe I am this terrible relationship, you know, person. Maybe I can't be a wife. And I really believed it. I really did. And I was so ashamed and so beaten down emotionally that I didn't want to tell anybody because I was so embarrassed. And think of it this way. You move your whole entire life and you go to another country for a man and a marriage and it doesn't work out instantly. I mean, there was also things like the lying, um, the lying was like nonstop. I mean, he would be wearing a green shirt and I'd be like, oh, your blue shirt's great. He'd be like, it's green. You know, like it's just, everything was backwards and it was just all a lie. Um, you know, we even had an eviction notice on our door five days into me moving there. And here I'm thinking my my husband's financially stable. He's got it all together, you know, because that's what he, you know, showed me. Um, so, yeah, you know, you just you believe it. Yeah. So so you were so you managed to get out. You were homeless and then you found your whole purpose. How did you pull your life back together? Well, you know what? I 
I, I lost God for a little while. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I had been through some stuff back in my past and, and I, and I was raised in an alcoholic home and very broken home. I had a lot of stepfathers. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I saw a lot of stuff that children should not see. And, you know, it really, um, it's devastating as a child to go into this into your adult years. So, um, you know, I just, um, I found God again and I prayed and I just, uh, and, and during that time, I tried to take my own life. Um, I grabbed a bottle of wine out of the fridge at the time and, um, and a bottle of pills. And I basically chugged them in the kitchen and he was there beside me when it happened. And at first, I don't think he realized that I was going to do it. Um, but then he saw I did it and I made myself throw them up. Thank goodness I didn't, you know, succeed at it. But I just got on my hands and knees and I just begged God to help me other that or to kill me because I literally just wanted to die. I didn't know where to go. I had no money. I had no money for food. I had, I was homeless. I was living out of a car and it was a car that, um, it was this, the spare car we had. None of the cars were mine because nothing belonged to me. It was all his stuff. So um, I had that car until he reported it stolen. He had my name taken off the insurance and everything. I never had my name on there. So they came when I was in the gym because I was pretty much living at a 24-hour fitness, um, you know, because I could go into the gym and I could, you know, go into the sauna and work out and it, nobody would really know. And then I was in the parking lot the rest of the time. So he reported the car stolen. So I came out of the gym one night and the car was gone. I called the police, reported the car stolen, and they said, sorry, ma'am, the car has been reported stolen, and obviously you're the one that stole it. Um, so it just, like, it just, you know, just when I thought I could be okay for a minute and just sort of kind of think, it just, just kept getting worse because I didn't have anything. And if I went back to Canada, which he threatened to deport me the whole time, if I, every year you're on a, a travel ban, a travel restriction. So if I had gone back to Canada, I would have self-deported. So at the time it was like, okay, what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And through all of this, like, I'm a very personable person. I'm skilled. I had a radio show, which I had to get rid of because he would come to the show and cause a lot of problems for me. And I wasn't allowed male guests. So, you know, I had made contacts and, you know, even when he, you know, was at work and things like that, I had a few contacts. So the thing was, is I went back to my resources and I asked people, hey, you know, like, um, can you help me? Do you have any work? You know, do you know of anybody? Can I volunteer? And that's when I started volunteering with Safe Passage for domestic violence and helping people and doing whatever I could and just getting my name out there. So, you know, I just, I prayed to God and I just asked him, like I said, to either kill me or help me. And he helped me. He really did. And, um, you know, I, I know that not everybody's in a place of having God in their life or being spiritual or whatever it may be. But I just went back to the principles and, um, you know, really like reading like scriptures and things like that and listening to audios. I listened to motivational tapes, like my audios on YouTube every single day. And it was like discipline, fight back, do this, do that. And I was like, I'm a warrior, I'm a warrior. Like, I know it sounds funny, but 
it's like to some people, but I'm like, no, I'm better than this. I'm not letting him break me down. I'm not letting him take me as my spirit. I'm not letting him kill me. I don't want to die. I'm like, I don't want to die. I want to live. I want to live. I'm vibrant. I'm a beautiful woman. I'm, I've got so much talent. I've got this, I've got that. People love me. And I just started doing the I am affirmations. And it was like, I just was breathing the life back into me. And once I started doing that, I noticed the people that I was attracting were really healthy. And that was like a really good place for me. Cause then I started to not be that scared little girl. Cause I literally reverted back to five years old. And I was like, I was so timid of everything and sounds were loud to me. Anything was too much for me. So I started like just making eye contact again with people and you know, and people approached me and I must have looked like a little wounded bird because, you know, really gentle people and really caring people helped me. I had a woman, this is the amazing part of this whole thing. I met her in the gym and she knew that I was going through struggles and my ex-husband was always hitting on her and stuff and things like that. And, um, you know, she came up to me and she said, I want to help you. She's like, come to my house tonight, come for dinner, and I want to help you. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And is it a setup? And I don't trust her. Maybe my expert are up to it because I didn't trust anybody. And I was like, maybe they're going to kill me. I like, I literally didn't know. So I got to her place, and uh, her two sons were there. She invited me in for dinner. She's like, all right, you're staying here and you're going to live here until you get your bleep together, your life together. And she goes and eat some dinner. You look scrawny. And she goes, I know you're going to be all successful red carpet, whatever you do. So you go do what you need to do, make some money, get your feet back on the ground and I'm going to help you. And I was like, just tears. And I just, I could not believe what I was hearing. And I ended up staying there for nine months and she basically rehabilitated me back to life. Like, through friendship and love and compassion and empathy and her sons. And, you know, I have a 28 year old son and I miss my son so much. And I was going through so much at the time and I didn't want to share with my family what I went through. So I really kept a tight lip about it, but her sons were like, you know, so kind to me. And we, they cooked like family dinners, which wasn't normal for me ever. So it was just like, I had this family environment that just like they put the life back into me. And um, what a blessing. I mean, by the grace of God, this woman was put into my life. Her name's Tanya Papatetru and a uh, very Greek name. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so awesome. Um, now also then, then you started, I mean, we've had conversations and now you're like a badass martial artist. <laughs> like now it's like nobody's going to touch you now. You you do so many things. So tell us about the things that you're doing now that have come out of all this. Yeah. So thank you. The great stuff about it is it's like, okay. So, you know, it's asking the question, like, what are you going to do to fix this? Like, and that's what I kept asking myself. So, okay, we know what you went through. We know that you you know, you're a survivor. I know you're a warrior, Trace. So what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to take martial arts. I'm going to take self-defense because I don't want anyone to hurt me like that again. But, and it was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And at first I was this timid little shy thing, believe it or not. And uh, I went in there and, you know, these women were buff and they're like, you know, 
kicking the crap out of everything. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And, uh, you know, it was a struggle at first and I fumbled my way through it. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of fear and a lot of like, I can't do this and maybe I shouldn't go. I mean, I walk up to the door. It was like, you know, somebody on a first date, you're like, wow, should I go? Should I not? And I was like so scared, but I just fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the empowerment that I felt. I fell in love with the spirit that crept back into me and the life that crept back into me. And it wasn't about, you know, being like this super strong person that can kick the crap out of people. That's not why I did it. It was like, I am supercharged now. I'm empowered because I know I can handle myself. And I know that the skills that I've learned, I can teach to other people because this is happening every second of every day. This, like, this happens to men, this happens to women, this happens to children. Pets are affected, families are affected. So why not learn these skills so I can go out and help other people? So that's what I've done. I'm a self-defense coach as well. Um, I, I train in tactical um, special defenses. Um, so, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff with uh, military guys and police and special forces. And um, I'm an executive protection officer. I went and got certified during COVID because I wanted to be skilled enough to be, have awareness and, and just, you know, it, uh, learn something new and learn a new craft. And um, again, it comes to protection, learning what's around you, just being super cautious of your surroundings. And again, I want to be able to share these skills. So I feel great. I mean, I'm super healthy. I have a blessed life. I mean, it's funny to think that I was here four years ago because it's just a totally different person. So at any time, at any age, at any level, any stages, whatever we go through, we can always change. We can always overcome. We can always get better. We can always grow. We can learn, you know, and I excel every single day because I have discipline. Um, and I know everybody that knows me, my favorite word is discipline. Discipline in all areas of your life. Discipline on my thinking. Because when I wake up in the morning, do I want to be a victim? Do I want to be a victor? Do I want to be a coach? Do I want to be a leader? Do I want to be a teacher? I don't want to be a victim and I'm not going to be that anymore. So I only have all these choices because this is my new toolbox and my toolbox is only of good things. It's like, what do I have? I have resources here. I can help this person. I can do that. I have the energy and the time and you know, the passion to do all these things. People always ask me, why do you do everything that you do? Why are you a self-defense coach? Why are you a, you know, coach and a trainer and, a, you know, action actress? And why do you do all these things? And why are you a host and podcaster? It's like, well, why not? <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? And why aren't you? Why aren't you maximizing your life while you're here? And that's my story. And it's, it's interesting because I always had visions when I was a young girl. And I think because I went through a lot of trauma as a young girl, but I had visions of this life. And my son will even tell you, I knew that I was going to be here in California. I knew that I was going to be married. I didn't really see all of the abuse and everything, but I saw this life now. And I've always known that I'm gonna be here and, I'm, and I should be here and I belong here. So I know my purpose now. Um, and I'm super excited because I have a healing center that I'm opening up. So I've teamed up with the women from Safe Passage Heals, um, Trish and Janet, and we're opening up a healing center to start for women, children, and pets. 
and um, it's going to be basically a resource center, resume writing. They're going to teach workplace programs. We're going to teach them when how to dress, how to speak, um, counseling, coaching, nutrition, fitness, self defense. And so you're going to help literally transform women. You're going to help women and kids and literally transform their life from abuse into empowerment. Absolutely. So, and the reason too, and a lot of people ask about pets. So um, I don't want to go into the details of it because it makes me cry every time I talk about it, but let's just say one thing. Pets are affected because um, partners will hold the pets ransom. They will torture the pets and they will do a lot of bad things. And the other thing that I found is the reason why I didn't go into a shelter and I lived in my car is because I had my dog at the time, my Boston Terrier, Jackson, and they wouldn't take pets. So I chose to live on the street rather than not give up my pet. So I want to allow families to be able to take their family pet and their kids and have a healing place together. We have arts programs for the kids and we're basically going to put the kids through coaching and counseling. We're going to do days like field trip days and, you know, going to museums and do all these different things. When we also have a kitchen in there, so it'll be nutrition and just overall health and wellness, um, just get their bodies and their minds, you know, working again simultaneously and teaching them things that they've probably never been taught before. They've been held back from. We're gonna have beauty days, get your nails done, make you look pretty, get your hair done. You know, we'll have dentists on board, we'll have chiropractors, hopefully you guys, the best of the best. And um, we're just gonna be helping everybody and just whatever their needs are. And we're gonna figure all that out as a couple. Um, if you have the passion to do it, why not do it? So I apologize for being outside today, but I didn't make it home. Um, but you know, so I'm really excited and we're going to have a team of a bunch of amazing people and we're all going to give back. So, well, what's the best way people can listen to your podcast? I don't know if you want people to get a hold of you or, uh, I know you haven't opened your center yet. So if people want more information about you and what you're doing, how do they contact, what, 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 how do they find you? Yeah. So, uh, everything is TLC unleashed. I live life unleashed. That's my motto. My podcast is live uh, life unleashed with TLC. Those are actually my initials. So tender, loving care. And, uh, and you can find me. So Instagram, Tracy Lynn Cowan is spelled T-R-A-C-I. Um, I actually go by Tracy Lynn because my mom thought I, we were country girls or something. And um, you can find me at tlcunleashed.com and uh, all my social media is TLC Unleashed, Tracy Lynn Cowan. And uh, yeah, go to YouTube, Tracy Lynn Cowan as well and subscribe. And uh, I've also got a product line as well, health and wellness products, um, some sweat gels and detoxifiers for the skin. And um, so yeah, you guys can find me there. Uh, and I look forward to doing another podcast and having you guys on my show too. Nice. Thank well, you. I know I talked the whole time. Sorry. So I'll let you guys talk next time. <laughs> it's just amazing to hear your story. And it's, it's sad and it's tragic, but on the other side of it, as the word says, uh, look, what's, look what's going on now. Like all the people that are going to be touched that otherwise would have never been touched because you happen to make a decision that you chose life you put your finger down your throat, whatever you did to throw up those pills. You chose life. God honored that. And now you're doing like crazy, amazing things to help other people. 
Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to keep doing these empowerment movements as well. We've got charity events. We've done three of them now, Healing Through Movement. Uh, we have phys, uh, fitness trainers. We have coaches. We have Zumba instructors. We have um, martial arts instructors, self-defense coaches. We have guys from the boxing gym come out from Flash Boxing Gym and do, um, we have pro boxers out there. So you name it, we're doing giveaways. All my sponsors are incredible, like Egg Weights and all those guys. And we give away prizes. And um, we just had a really successful event about a week and a half ago. And um, so about 70 to 90 people, uh, not all at one time, but, and it was an outdoor event. We're going to start doing them in Orange County next month and um, we've got them coming up every month so I'd love for you guys to be a part of it and anybody is welcome we uh, want guys out there we support and you know just you know obviously what I've been through um, you know is bad but we love men and we're not man haters and we want men and kids and pets and everybody to come out there and join us and have some fun and it's just an empowering experience well, thank you for being a great lover of humanity. Now, a lover of yourself, which you always have been. You just, we all take side turns and uh, just being an inspiration and really uh, tapping into who God created you to be. You know, it seems like it takes a few decades at least for us, for everybody to figure that out. So, so uh, thanks for being a true inspiration. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing what you guys do too. Cause I mean, being able to express this and allowing people to share their stories and experience and strength and hope with others is, you know, us doing this is it's unity. And so I appreciate you guys for what you do because you are making a difference too. Well, there, my, and is this for everybody listening, because you happen to say something about how wives should submit to their husbands. That's, I, I am very, uh, angry when I hear that used inappropriately. So I know you know this, but people who are listening need to know this. And that is only insofar as it is a spiritual husband. And a spiritual husband is one who loves their wife as Christ loves the church. And so one who loves their wives as Christ would love the church would be a spiritual leader and would never be an abusive leader. So that verse doesn't go for those abusive men We'd like to take that con uh, that scripture out of context. Yeah, thanks for saying that because that was a tough thing too. Because you know, at times in like you asked me too, it's like, did it affect you? You know, it affected me with my religion too and my beliefs. So, you know, it's uh, I I pray for him and I've forgiven him because I'm not going to be a prisoner to him anymore. And so I pray for people from afar that are like that. And, uh, you know, love them like Jesus did. And that's all we can do. So. Well, thank you for being a bright light. Yes. Thanks, you guys. You guys are awesome. I want one of those shirts. I like it. Yeah, you are. We're going to give you that and a, and a copy of my book with it. Yay. Perfect. Thanks for making time for me today, you guys. And hopefully we'll see you soon, okay? Yeah, so. thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace. Guys.